0: Welcome back to The Starlight Car, a video game choo-choo series where we chat and mingle with various members of the video games industry and the thoughts they have to share about their own experiences with games. I'm Elvi, and I'm your host this episode. Is intelligent extraterrestrial life really out there? And if so, why haven't we made contact with them by now? I had a conversation with Jörg Reisig, the founder of Anomaly Games, and developer behind the Fermi Paradox, a game centered around and named after the very problem of the same name that explores these rhetorical questions. Jorg talks about his experiences in the AAA games industry and what it was like pivoting to independent games development. He talks about the Fermi Paradox's attempts in doing something unique compared to other sci-fi and 4X games, in addition that it will hopefully offer players something both fun and informative about the social issues that are relevant to our own Earth. If you like what you hear here in the Starlight Car, check out VideoGameChooChoo.com for other content like this and more. You can also consider becoming a patron to help support our work at Patreon.com VGCC. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. So, yeah, tell me about yourself. Tell me about the game. Um, what are your sources of inspiration for the Fermi Paradox? And how did you get involved with games development?
1: Okay, that's a lot of questions. (laughs) Um, Okay, I'm Jörg. Uh, I'm an indie game developer from Berlin. Um, I'm part of Anomaly Games, which is a tiny uh, indie game dev team also in Berlin. Um, And we're making the Fermi Paradox. Uh, The Family Paradox is something we call a narrative strategy game. And it's a wild genre mix of a civilization kind of builder, uh, choose your own adventure type of game, a god game, but in space. Um, and uh, I always like say it's kind of a casual stilatus, um, because you like don't play hundred hours for a single session, but like a session is quickly finished after five. And- Five or 10 hours. So it's much more casual and accessible and for people who, I don't know, don't have so much time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also something called like, it's more like a storytelling generator than a hardcore management or strategy game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, um, and how did I go into games, game development? I, uh, I'm in the German game industry for a long time, fifteen years, sixteen years, something like this. Uh, I studied computer science, didn't finish computer science, uh, went to the first kind of game programming school that was established in in Germany and in Berlin, and uh, was also the first like. Um, a student who uh, first uh, year that actually finished game programming there. Uh, And then I started in small German um, game studios, uh, made a lot of weird little German games that probably not so many people know. Uh, There's Desperados 2, there is Bratensang, a German RPG. And then I started working at Jaguar. Uh, I was always a programmer. Then. Uh, and at Yaga, uh, I became part of the AI team for Spec Ops The Line. And that was like a huge part, at least five years. Or so mm-hmm. we worked on Spec Ops The Line. Um, and that was like a very interesting experience and very, very interesting to not just make a normal video game where you run around and shoot stuff, but also a game that was, for a couple of people, quite thought-provoking and tried to break some boundaries in in the game genre. Uh, And after that, it was hard to just go back to, I don't know, do mobile games or multiplayer shooters or whatever. So I stuck around as a game designer a bit in the industry, but at some point I decided I want to do my own thing, became a freelancer and then founded this tiny company and walked around for a couple of years to get funding for the Family Paradox. And then we got funding and then we started making the Family Paradox. And now we are in access uh, since nine months or so. And yeah. Uh, still knee deep in, in in development.
0: Great, yeah, and that's like an impressive span of a career you have, like working on different things, and then you know something shifted when you were on Spec Ops line, thinking about like, oh, here's now a game that is not very conventional. It's not just about you know like they're, it's trying to do something different, especially when it comes to like a challenging story. You know, it may be controversial in a way too. Uh, you know, and trying to like tackle different you know, themes that probably weren't explored in games, or like mm-hmm. uh, probably not explored, but like more like not commonly explored still in like a way like, especially, yeah. especially
1: not in a military shooter. Oh yeah, absolutely, that,
0: absolutely I, I
1: think that was the the main thing, this like there's a military shooter and everybody knows what military shooters right. are, and suddenly we are in a heart of darkness the right. apocalypse now and it it was it was interesting, not um, and just also like the development how it how it came to be. Uh, that was a really interesting experience. But also, I'm glad I'm not in AAA anymore and <laughs> do my own thing. And but can I try to say okay? Can I can I do something interesting with this like? Civilization building game genre, versus sci-fi strategy games genre. So a little bit of this uh, mm-hmm. is 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 in the family products.
0: Right, right, right. It sounds like you know there are a lot of parts you just didn't Mm -hmm. enjoy like honestly Mm -hmm. when you worked at that part you know, like in the triple a right and then now you Mm -hmm. have this opportunity or you know taking a risk to like do something more independently to do what you Mm -hmm. want to do but also taking away maybe like some of the positive things you learned right so Mm -hmm. what ultimately led to the you know like the creation of firming paradox specifically like why this topic in particular to you like you know you were explaining how you know, this is kind of like mm-hmm. a casual Stellaris, yeah. and it's this is very different from like utter typical 4X, you know, sci-fi. You know, again, mm-hmm. like civilization games where you're like expanding an empire, or you're trying to like grow and travel in this universe, and trying to build more. And in this case, you know, for me, I'm gonna you know explain you know the the theory around the Fermi paradox, which essentially is the question over like, you know, if there is intelligent extraterrestrial life out there in space, like why haven't they? why haven't human why hasn't humankind made contact yet you know and it's it's like it's like tackling these two different it's 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 essentially just a theory right that, you know it's called a paradox right yeah. um and your game explores that notion whereas like something like stellaris you already have like an established yeah. an established like uh lore you have established, like aliens aliens are real uh and then yeah. you know civilizations are cooperating and in this case like why did you decide to do a game with this idea
1: um, so, uh, a bit was that when I was working at Yaga, I was a game designer at Dreadnought. And I was like more in the bit department of doing campaigns and story and world building. And we delved quite deep into science fiction back then. But in the end, the game itself was a pure multiplayer shooter. And that was like kind of frustrating when you actually see so many interesting aspects of science fiction and then in video games it's mostly background noise and you just have big spaceships and robots and laser guns or whatever so um i was like quite focused on like yeah i, I would like to do something with the science fiction themes, but Apparently I can't do it in a in mainstream thing, so let's let's try to have an indie game out of it. Um, when I then really read up on the Fermi paradox, I was instantly like, hey, why 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 is there no game about this? Um, because it's such an interesting setting, like these, these ideas, like okay, if there is a civilization and it evolves and it sends out radio signals or spaceships, um, and then a million years later, a different civilization evolves, even if it's far, far away, it should have already seen the signals and it doesn't, but maybe it missed it somehow. And uh, basically that was like the first prototype, like having like faraway planets sending out radio signals and after a thousand years, um, you have to be in the right state and the right civilization. Your civilization can't be already destroyed. It has to be able to receive signals, uh, but it also can't be stuck in the Stone Age to get these get these radio signals. Or uh, if you manage to um, to send this uh, the, the spaceships there, there was a couple of of things I really wanted to explore, which I don't see normally in computer games. One is like long space travel, uh, like this this idea that realistic space travel will maybe take thousands of years. And what happened to the people who are like on board of a spaceship, but like only their grandchildren or the grandchildren of their grandchildren will arrive at the planet where you want to go. And this kind of generationship feeling, that's something I wanted to really emphasize in the game uh, or, or make a game about that. Um, and then this like idea of you have civilizations far apart and they don't know each other, but you can observe both. And then one dies out and the other one still is not sure if there's actually life in the universe. Like and then at some point they managed to build a spaceship and find this planet and they're already dead and then they only find ruins and this is like there's some part some part of tragedy uh, in this that is a bit melancholic that I wanted to kind of emphasize mm-hmm. in, in the name. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the last idea I always had is like. What if you take a traditional 4X game and put the rules on a head? So, like, not one empire that expands and conquers everything, uh, but you have multiple civilizations, and they all do the 4X thing and are expanding, and your role is actually to keep them kind of in check that not one uh, one empire eats up the entire galaxy, and um, then you, then you kind of lose. So that, that all win conditions you have in a classical four X game are actually bad in our game. So it's a, I don't know, a reverse four X John. That was that were like the basic ideas uh, we had in the beginning, uh, and then we made the game and uh tried out what works what didn't work and what works well together
0: yeah yeah it's it's really interesting and i agree like i can't think of like utter sci-fi video games specifically i feel like in movies and and, and uh, mm. television that this idea has been explored over like mm. the idea of like light year distance and like the ramifications of like traveling in space and like how distance and time like is related to that and video games I can't think like immediately you know coming to mind like you know when I think of sci-fi games I think of something like Mass Effect like that's uh, mm-hmm. you know like those like very action-based very and then yeah you have the 4X games like Stellaris which like as you were describing are pretty much you know they they're following like a very specific archetype already it is about expanding it is about like interacting with these different civilizations but in this case this is a game where it's not quite synchronized. Like it's actually difficult, and it, it demonstrates and like is trying to follow like these basic physics and mathematical principles of like actually there's going to be a lot of obstacles in terms of how these civilizations can reach each other. There's going to be one civilization that is not advanced in technology at all, and so of course there's going to be no way that means of contact is 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 going to be made, right? And yeah, I yeah that's a very interesting, unique idea that I, I think is not thought about a lot and the game yeah
1: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. also i wanted to have like power imbalances in the game Mm -hmm. actually so Mm -hmm. in a in a traditional 4x game you have like i don't know 10 civilizations they all have the same starting conditions and then they evolve differently right right and here we actually break this instantly so you can have like one civilization that already evolved to like a high sci-fi faster than light travel age and then we have a stone age tor- mm-hmm. civilization just popping up mm-hmm. and your goal is to bring them all uh, through to the end of the game right and if your high-tech uh, civilization is not ethical enough and sends a spaceship to the stone age civilization and they think, oh maybe I don't know, they are tasty or whatever, and <laughs> stuff. Or uh, so this like because you can then also ex all these sci-fi colonization games always have like kind of problematic issues. Mm-hmm. But if you like play both sides of the conflict, uh suddenly the, the whole perspective of the player is different because mm-hmm. um, you you spend a lot of time to, uh, I don't know, raise these civilizations and when they finally meet. Uh, maybe, I don't know, the humans are your favorites or whatever, but you still like are attached to the little um, space fish or so. And then you really want that they resolve things peacefully. Uh, and in a more, I don't know, militaristic game or so, you don't care that much and um, think it's just, okay, let's conquer this, let's conquer this. And in, in this kind of god game thing where you suddenly, where suddenly conflict is most of the time rather bad than useful, uh, all the things you normally do in a strategy game are a bit, uh, yeah, reversed because like in the Fermi Paradox, you can research a lot of military stuff and uh, it's always, it's most of the time a bad thing because it's like, Oh no, why do you build nuclear bombs? I don't, you don't need that. <laughs> um, right. Right. And, but they do it. And mm-hmm. they like have to have to deal with this you do you spend like points that to prevent that or you say like yeah a couple of nuclear bombs that will survive um or not uh and that is kind of the, the the core idea of uh um yeah Uh, Making this weird galactic gardening game. uh, (laughs) Galactic
0: gardening game. That's like a great way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Cause yeah, like, and yeah, you, you know, as you were explaining, like it's Mm. less about competing, making these different worlds compete. You know, I immediately think of civilization like when I, you know, used to play it more often, but like, yeah, there's winning states, like, especially if you Mm. play it in a multiplayer way or you're, you know, just competing with the artificial intelligence Mm. AI you you want to win you want to be yeah. like oh i i i i accrued the most profit i like literally won the war like most yeah. you know like stuff like that or i expanded the most territory in this case this is really about like trying to unify and find like a meeting point for all these different worlds that end up generating and developing over time and right the difficulty is that they're all at different stages of like technological levels and like mm-hmm. different Different types of societies, like one society has fallen into like disarray and total dystopia, and like the population's dwindling, right? But then, meanwhile, another place is like very utopic. They're fine, <laughs> but then, meanwhile, but then there's like a risk too. Like if you're trying to like, you know, develop them further, like is are they are you gonna like push them to the edge of being bad? You know, like a bad society, like a, a well, like an underdeveloped, you know. Um, and I it. it it's, it, yeah, it's very interesting how it's, like, trying to be more of a unifying thing, you know, and not like, okay, I'm not trying to, like, conquer, I'm yeah. trying to unify, I'm actually trying to, like, make these uh, different um, civilizations meet. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess to, like, connect to this, you know, and to kind of, mm-hmm. like, you know as we're referencing these questions, yeah. uh, um, I think I do want to actually talk about, like, specifically how humans are depicted in this game, how humankind's depicted, which is very interesting, because you know, like humans are like the cypher and avatar for like mm-hmm. pretty much like all vi- most video games, you're playing a human, you, you know, yeah. you're playing some sort of character that is humanoid and that's mm-hmm. across media. That's how we relate to the story mm-hmm. we're watching. Right. And engaging it. It's a human. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am curious as to like, what was the process behind the development of the different alien races, the different civilizations. Mm-hmm. And as I know here, like in regards to the depiction of humanity, mm-hmm. Was there a particular reason that you wanted Hume to start off um, with our contemporary time period, like present day? And, mm-hmm. and then and then why you know, because you know, throughout the game, there's like you're also drawing and referencing quotes from real people, <laughs> like you yeah, know, yeah. throughout it's, it's scattered throughout the game. And um, it's very apparent that this is present day.
1: Um, like um, yeah,
0: and yeah, I, I would like to hear your thoughts if you want to start yeah. on that.
1: So um two things. One, uh, we have the full game out Mm -hmm. uh, and we have the demo. Okay. And if you play the demo, you play a little bit of different scenario because we throw you. The game starts really slow in the beginning Mm -hmm. because you have basically a couple of Stone Age civilizations on far away corners in the galaxy, they have no way to... They don't even know what other planets are. Right. Uh, so they look at the stars and think whatever, what they are. Um, so that was not, like, not a good point for the demo. So we thought of a very specific scenario. And the specific scenario is we have humanity in our current age. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. and. Got the Second uh, civilization, the prune, which uh, are like kind of the, uh, how it's called, the, the main avatar of our game, the main alien avatar is these like horse like mm-hmm. uh, uh, four eyed creatures. And uh, the prune are quite advanced. Uh, they can already build spaceships and so, but they also don't know that Earth. Uh, exists and that in, in the solar system, there's intelligent life. And uh, we put humanity in uh, uh, we put humanity in like a situation that is sadly quite like our present state. So they have really a problem with resources and environment problems. They're also not the most ethical people. They uh, reached uh, digital technology um and our, our ethics are like described in utopian and dystopian values uh, and like how how much you are to full dystopia, basically. Mm-hmm. Let's say in the demo we said humanity is already
0: 15% right.
1: dystopia. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean that that you can argue. <laughs> right. Our personal impression of the fates uh, of the world, uh, and basically you deal with like uh, upcoming wars, uh, definitely a looming resource crisis, and um, global warming around the corner, and how can humanity handle this? Uh, and if they have, and your goal in the demo is to make contact with this 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 prune civilization. Um and uh when you manage to do this, they maybe can help out humanity before everything completely falls apart, but uh, also uh depending how you play, there can be a large war, there can be um uh there can be you can acel- accelerate the the um Uh, The climate crisis and it can already all fall apart before the aliens arrive. We put this scenario in because uh, two points it's very relatable. So you know already, you see the humans how they are, and like, yeah, that's, I I know what's going on here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's the, the human are on the state to ask about the family products. Like, is is anyone out there? We don't know it, and that's what they are doing also. In there. And second one, it's of course a political message because sci-fi always, uh, always looks in at the present state and says like, okay, we have all these problems there, um, and uh, yeah, probably there will be no aliens around that will. Help us out, <laughs> but it's it's a nice uh, a nice uh, a nice idea. But um, to also show, like, if you think about sci-fi, you have to look at the problems we have now and think a bit: how would they have been solved? Because otherwise, you won't have a sci-fi world where right, you have right. cool spaceships and whatever. Because when if everything falls apart here, uh, then we probably will not manage to I don't know build the Star Trek um, <laughs> Federation or whatever. Right,
0: right. And
1: that is kind of kind of a bit a uh, notch uh, into like also putting these more political-aware teams Mm -hmm. into this uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sci-fi. That was point one, that we have the demo, and that's why the humans are very specially depicted there. there. In the normal game, you have much more free choice. Uh, Mm -hmm. There is there is the earth as one of the many planets uh, where life can evolve. And if life evolves there, you actually don't have to pick the human species. Mm,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: there are actually two other species. I'm not sure. Should I spoil them? Maybe if you look at the <laughs> Well,
0: you, you don't have to. <laughs> the,
1: if you looked at the pictures of the game, you probably saw a dolphin. Right, right. Uh, so uh, there, there is, you can go on a completely different route and say like, humans never evolved on, on my timeline. Mm-hmm. We have dolphins here, mm-hmm. but even if you pick the humans, we, uh, we go, um, uh, it doesn't mean it repeats human history. Mm-hmm. Uh, that depends more on the player, which choices they took. Right? Uh, will there be crusades? Will there be colonization? Will there be, um, will they invent the internet or not? Uh, Stuff like this you can you can put into different directions. So your history of humanity may be completely different than we have. Um, but a lot of people also really like this demo scenario. So maybe when early access is finished, when the final game is released, uh, maybe we do some kind of like special scenarios mm-hmm. that that you can play through, so, and then. Having the humans uh, on the edge of the climate crisis and trying to to um, solve it so they can actually go to space afterwards, that is uh, that would be a nice scenario. But that is like <laughs> long, long in the future.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, alien. B- 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 Bit, bit to what you asked about uh, the design of alien characters. So the thing is, all our aliens start in the Stone Age and evolve in one direction or another. So we don't have like, oh, this is these alien species and there are, I don't know, extreme good researchers or they, I don't know, a warrior um, um, culture or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have some species who are like a bit more carnivore or a bit more all-consuming or so, and they are a bit harder to handle. And then we have a uh, a couple of species who are a bit more chill and are a bit easier to handle in the beginning. But you can have the super peaceful dolphins and turn them into a brutal dolphin dictatorship <laughs> if you're not not um, uh, if you're not aware of that. But you have can all have like horrible Lovecraftian space dragons and make them into a, a super Earth-loving peaceful civilization. So like the there is no we try to avoid to have like evil creature, pure evil creatures in the game, Um, going for the like bit more unbalanced creatures, a bit more of a challenge, but Mm -hmm. uh, after a couple of thousand years, who knows where you lead them. Um, With humanity, we put, humanity is for us in the middle bracket, so they're not especially chill, but also not super Mm -hmm. destructive. uh, with humanity, we put a lot bit more work in it because when you have like aliens, you can, I don't know, give them a couple of different um, signifiers like I don't know, you change the, alg- I, the fur or whatever, but you don't have to make a lot of changes to make a couple of variations. In human- with humanity, we wanted to always show, you are not playing, I don't know, uh, the Europeans or whatever. You Mm -hmm. play the entirety of humanity, which is kind of tricky because humans look very different all over the world. Mm -hmm. So in the end, we decided to create four different um, human avatars. Uh, We tried to not like to speak like kings or space rulers, but always try to just speak kind of the the normal people, like the workers, the mm-hmm. like ordinary people of this civilization yeah. as uh-huh. an avatar. Um, and in the Stone Age, they're kind of they, they all have kind of neutral uh, hairstyles. They're kind of, they're quite nude. You don't see much clothing. Then we have like some. Pre-industrial closing, where we looked at a couple of different cultures and just picked one that uh, that works kind of with that. And as soon as you go into the industrial age, the closing becomes similar because, like we say now, the uh, now a more of a world global culture uh, starts. And as soon as you're in the sci-fi age, you just all have the same spacesuits and so, and you just see the the different kinds of humans. Uh, we wanted to I don't know uh, we also randomized this you so you don't pick like um, how how your human looks like um, and we just change the avatar if uh, you build human settlement on a different planet because then we wanted the player to instantly see okay this is like now the humans in Alpha Centauri. Or these are the humans that are still on Earth because in our game, because in our games, the colonies often evolve into completely different societies. And that was, that was another thing I actually wanted to put uh, in the game that normally in this kind of space, management space strategy mm-hmm. games, yeah. all colonies are kind of the same thing. Maybe there's a special event or right. you have a civil war where your faction goes away or so. But normally uh, you have like some kind of possibility to communicate with each other. So every one of your your planets you can directly control. And we say the, the main point of the Fermi paradox is there is no instant communication. Uh, so the people who are 100 light years away from you, from Earth, uh, will become and grow up on a completely different planet, uh, will give, evolve into something very, very different than the original mother planet society. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is something we play with that they, that, um, yeah, you, you become like, it becomes their own little civilization up there. Yeah.
0: Great. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That clarifies a lot. Yeah. (laughs) That clarifies a lot. (laughs) Um, you know, firstly, yeah. Thank you for clarifying on the human the human, like, you know, like, the reason behind humans. And that makes a lot of sense, especially from a marketing standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think a lot, too, about, like, you know, what do you put out in the demo version of your game? Like, what what do you want to represent? You yeah. know, what do you want to use yeah. to represent? And that makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting that yeah. you mentioned, like, a lot of people actually liked the scenario in the demo. So, you know, we'll yeah. see if you decide to make that, like, a separate thing in the full game, right? Um, so in, yeah, in regards that, to the representation of humans as it is in present day. Yeah.
1: And even the four humans that we have... Are mostly female or some kind of Mm -hmm. femme androgan Mm -hmm. uh, character because uh, we, when we look at games, there are a lot of like, especially in sci fi, a lot of male representation, Mm -hmm. primary, and then you have at some point some female characters. Mm -hmm. And we said, okay. let's let's just go more in that direction also um try to have like not so many traditional white characters also in our background arts because Mm -hmm. we always wanted to show this is not like space white america going Mm -hmm. somewhere or Um, like you have often in these kind of games mm-hmm. um, and try to get the opposite way around because uh, basically uh, the name is named about after Enrico Fermi, which was already White Dude. So
0: mm-hmm. right. we have that covered.
1: Have that covered <laughs> so in the graphics, we go in the, in the, in the other direction.
0: Right. So, all right, yeah. And that's refreshing. And especially when you mm-hmm. describe the approach to like the different mm-hmm. alien races as well, like mm-hmm. it's clear that um, you and your team are trying to like research and look at different ways as to how to depict mm-hmm. imagery and visuals like, oh, you know, and, like in regards to like the human avatars, for instance, like, oh, yeah, like, because we don't want to use one image to represent all of humanity, which is not yeah. fair, right? There's different cultures, you know, this is, this is meant to represent the whole world of different mm-hmm. cultures, yeah. different appearances. So you know settling on like oh there's gonna be different avatars for one but for sure also the direction of like maybe where yeah and again sci-fi where there's still unfortunately a default to a specific type of person
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like yes. a
0: white a white man um as like a hero as the the center the avatar again like the cipher um it is it it is it is very like distinct and significant for mm-hmm. to you know in a piece of media to create that to choose like a different direction I, I think that like I, I think that helps like break a lot of like barriers in a lot of ways, you know, as like, as like, as like, maybe that's like too severe of like like language to use or like too like, <laughs> but like too strong, but like, in a lot of ways that does like a lot of things, you know, yeah. and it shows like, oh, whoever's playing this too does not have to like think about like, or like box, like their perspective, like how to play a sci-fi game or like what a sci-fi game looks like too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's refreshing that's refreshing that's like very commendable um in in terms of like i guess now to talk about like i think the overall Mm -hmm. challenges um, Mm of making this game and you know it's an early access right now um and i guess maybe this will also like probably tap into like when you first you know Mm -hmm. like going back you know further a bit like going like when you first started freelancing and then you had this idea for a game like can you talk about some of like the challenges and how how like how like how did you know basically how did you do things <laughs> that's really what it is and with the game early access right now so it's like open to like criticism and feedback like how hmm. how do you like go back and forth with like that process over like oh, okay here's a bug like you know you know just go into it in a very general way if you if you wish
1: um lots of challenges of course so <laughs> right <laughs> uh starting in any game team is like who uh, Bold idea. <laughs> um, to be fair, we in Germany are quite lucky because we just got uh, um, uh, federal mm-hmm. funding for uh, computer games, which right. is a bit like movie funding. And we didn't have stuff like this before or just on a, on a local, regional level. And uh, getting into this funding helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Also, being part of the game industry, uh, German game industry is also not is super huge, so you know a lot of people, mm-hmm. connections, uh, you can, yeah. get, uh, can get, can got good feedback. You find um, some teammates, team members, quite quickly. Um, so we had like for such, a, for making such a weird game a good starting position. Of course, this is not like the kind of game where you just go to a publisher and say like, hey, look at this idea. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and they say, hmm. we had a couple of indie publishers who were quite interested in it, but it didn't work out in the end. And then uh, we were lucky that we got uh, funding from Wings, which is a Swedish diversity funding, who tries to support diverse teams uh, in the industry. And we fall into that category uh, because we have a couple of uh, female and non-binary team members. Um, And with that, we were able to get big government funding. And uh, that was... um, I mean, it's a lot of bureaucracy, which is mm-hmm. tough when you're not like I don't know managed companies before because I'm I went into indie games to I don't know program the game and right. make the game right. and, yeah uh, and someone
0: else is running all of that and yeah, doing all and that and you then you um,
1: start this team and you see oh you are probably also the only person who do this because you can't <laughs> afford to hire like a separate producer uh, hopefully soon. Um, and that is that is of course a lot of work, and that is in end effect for me the biggest challenge always to handle this like more soul draining bureaucracy work. I just uh, <laughs> I just finished today um, the the final report for the funding mm-hmm. it was thousands of pages. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I mean it's free money from the government, so I should not complain. Um, but it's it when you are in the middle of early access and you know there's like a lot of features you want to balance and a lot of bugs you can you want to fix and there's a new update that you want to do and you have like uh, already like a lot of ideas that you tease it kind of to your community and then like ah but you still have to do all these uh, these busy work that's tough. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, also because I was working in the traditional games industry and did the crunches and everything, I was able to just say, we don't do that. Uh, We want to also, it was clear from the beginning that this game is not, finished in a year and then you can just relax for a couple of months and do the next game. So you, it it doesn't make sense to power through this year and work mm-hmm. your ass off and work all weekends. Uh, you have to have like a good work life balance. <laughs> so you don't fall apart mm-hmm. um, um, because it takes a while to finish this game. Um, right. And that lesson that I already learned from uh, from big big uh, computer games teams but also from friends from the indie game industry so if I observe like good friends of mine <laughs> working for years in a row never going to vacation always working in a game uh, it's uh, for us it was from the start really important that we have enough if you just have a normal job there and right. uh, even if it's our studio, if it's our game, uh, if it doesn't work out with the amount of work we put in, then it doesn't work out and not like, yeah, sometimes there's a weekend before a big update where I'm crunching myself, but normally um, not doing this um that worked out quite fine. So that was actually not a challenge in the sense right. that, um, <laughs> but it was from the beginning always reminding ourselves to not work us to death. Right
0: from your own Which, experience and like everyone yeah. else on the team, from their, like wanting the healthy work-life balance that is still a problem. Yeah, it's still a problem throughout the industry. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and back in the days I could blame blame my boss, but then I couldn't blame anybody except myself. <laughs> right. uh, so this is um this worked all quite well. Uh we did our launch or early access launch and the um, most of the development during the corona pandemic, which for one thing was okay because there was nothing much else going on. So we didn't have like so much distraction, I would say, but um, but not be able to go like to game events, to show your prototype, right. to show a demo, to get like the more tangible feedback. Um that was quite hard. Uh, I mean, we found workarounds, but sometimes it's just you get your laptop, especially in like cities like Berlin, where you ha- have a like big indie game development mm-hmm. scene, and you can just like go to some hangout and have a couple of beer with friends and like here, mm-hmm. I build a new feature. Right. What do you think? <laughs> um and normally we have I'm I'm at Saftladen, which is like a co-working space for indie game developers and normally pre-pandemic the space was full with like a lot of different people and then just when you work you can grab someone and ask them questions about like what do you think about this menu or whatever and uh, that was hard that this was not so easy possible Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, because that is that's one of the big benefits when you're not an indie game developer and like a remote small town, but like where you have like a big scene and uh, that was as also a challenge uh, also like going in early access and not be able to go to uh, Gamescom or whatever to like a big uh, big industry event or to GDC, um, but um, uh, try to market everything online Right and um, that was a bit draining, um, but on the other hand, I didn't go to these events, so I actually had to have more time to work on the game itself. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> right, there's like also, a also, different, also yeah. Events, <laughs>
1: uh, because as an indie game developer, you are also the person to go, who goes to all these events. And right, then you, you, don't you develop... are both
0: press and someone working on the game, yeah, yeah. You, and, and having to market it that's definitely like a lot of work to handle at the same time like you have to you kind of have to like also think in two different du- two different brains two different mindsets when you handle one and the other it's too, yeah, yeah it's very it's, yeah, it's two different sometimes things that yeah
1: is not
0: easy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh more questions or did i forget anything
0: oh yeah yeah i i so ultra, overall um when someone plays this game, what do mm-hmm. you hope people take away from it? What do you hope players take away from this game? What are you know like what What are your intentions really like? What, <laughs> what thesis, are my intentions? Your <laughs> thesis for the Fermi paradox.
1: <laughs> okay, they have. Uh, first of all, of course, they should have a good time and uh, <laughs> right, have fun board or whatever. <laughs> um, I like. <clears throat> Okay, more more what I want, not what I like, but what, what people actually do. I like I, I would like that if people uh, play through the development of different civilizations also, I don't know, think think a bit uh, how think a bit more utopian uh, than we are used with mm-hmm. our more Cynic um, games about sci-fi I often sci-fi games about uh, a big war or the end times, and then more optimistic. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I tried. Tra- I mean, this the the this game can be horrible, horribly wrong. Everybody in the galaxy <laughs> right. and die. Everybody can die and not even make contact with anyone else. So they die and don't know that others existed. So it can be very tragic but it doesn't have to be. And the idea of, like, the the game mechanics themselves push you to make positive, progressive societies. And I would like that people start thinking, how can we do that? Uh, And not rather, like... um, Yeah, maybe raise a bit of awareness about that. And on the other hand, I love science fiction because it plays with so many ideas how civilizations can evolve, in which directions can they go. So it opens your mind to a lot of different possibilities. And I hope that's happening with the players too. Um, Otherwise yeah I mean, I hope they like the game. I hope they like the stories uh i hope um yeah, I hope they they get something something new out of it something fascinating. They often get attached to some of the civilizations and then. Uh, sometimes I see in the forums or on on Twitter also, or so uh, or someone who really ra- writes the entire history of their civilization, and that's like nothing that was prescripted. That is something a mix of their decisions and some random events, uh, and i really really like that when yeah they, I, I they see... developed an
0: emotional connection right in a way you didn't yeah. expect yeah yeah
1: and uh-huh. then they have this whole history of um uh cute space dolphins who had a tragedy <laughs> and destroyed their home planet but uh one spaceship escaped to another planet yeah. and <laughs> Without water, but they still developed. to survive there. Somehow, <laughs> that's Stuff incredible. Like <laughs> uh, that is that is things that are that make me happy when you read mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm glad it worked out because in in game development you have like all these little modules, and you have your idea how how you hope that this game can be experienced, but in the end. You have to put it out there and then wait and watch how how people react to it. And I think for those people who really like this, like like narrative story experiences, um, I, I I think they uh, they will enjoy it a lot. And that was kind of the idea. Plus, putting also some yeah, some points out there where maybe some people start to think about things or start to think about things more. Um, I mean, uh, I sometimes do talks about climate change in video games uh, as like how, how it's handled and stuff because I looked up a lot about this and just like the... How to how to handle resource consumption? How to um, how to look at like consumerism? Uh, that's like one big systemic point in the game, uh, and it's not just about technology. So a lot, some of these games about climate change, like yeah, let's just build a lot of. Uh, wind uh, energy things and that solves everything but in in our game it's also a bit a lot about like how can you actually prevent to waste all this energy to waste all these resources so you don't have such a tough impact on your environment and not just hoping for the super technology to evolve to save you mm-hmm. from that um, mm-hmm. and also Basically, it's you inherit things from your past. So, if your one of your species are super, super consumerists and burns everything down uh, already in the Bronze Age or so, um, it will take a lot of time to kind of change this behavior uh, so that in the digital age they are. Um, uh, yeah, they don't destroy the environment. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is also a bit of like you not just having the technology that uh, gives you the green energy or whatever, but also change part of your society that you don't need uh, these, this, this massive amount of energy or resources. Does it does make sense?
0: Yeah, no, it does. And yeah, you, you hope that, you know, as you've seen already, which is great Mm -hmm. that, you know, like you hope people not only have like a great time playing the game and the feel of it, but you know, and also taking away and kind of developing their own stories and ideas through it, but also to be potentially influenced to think more outside the box and have like a wider perspective, especially Mm -hmm. on the different social issues that, you know, impact us today. Um, You know, like climate change as being an example and kind of, expanding more upon um, just, just our ideas of it. Like, you know, like, you know, like probably thinking more like in terms of like other solutions and like other ideas that probably no one has thought about. And in a way that does, that that, that does go back to your intent on hoping that people see the future in a more optimistic way. Right. in A more positive way, especially in recent years, you know, we was talking about video games. We've seen, there's been a lot of like post-apocalyptic dystopian games and outside that and i think we honestly i've been seeing and seeing more talks about games like this that try to see a more positive view of the future a positive way to make change like you know and, and it's still in a setting like like you said people can still die in this game it still can go awfully wrong but at the same time you can play a version of this game that maybe it doesn't go wrong maybe everything has a solution maybe there is peace and I, I think people want more of that, honestly. I think people want more of the stories because I think people do need hope, right? Uh <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yes, yeah. yes. And I mean, even in this game it's not easy, but right. it's, it's possible. It shows yeah. What what I want to show it's hard work and it's continuous work. So you 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 always have to like look that your society uh yeah, uh, doesn't become more utopian even if you uh, dystopian, even if you are, like, uh, already in a good state. Also, like, you always have to look if you can uh, try to avoid, um, uh, yeah, that you always have to take care of your environment. There's always new challenges, basically. Um, and that, uh, that is also an interesting part to think about, like, how will these challenges look in the future and not just say, okay, at some point we will have space travel then everything is solved mm-hmm. but uh, how new problems arrive right. these, or how old problems re-emerge but in a much larger scale suddenly uh, because you can do the thing you did before just on a continent on multiple planets or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is also an, an interesting part which is, very traditional sci-fi.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, basically looking towards reality and then exploring how that, you know, like in history of sci-fi really, it, it, it does look at reality logic. And if it's so interesting looking at old sci-fi too and how it's predicted a lot of things and the yeah. technology and like how the world went. But yeah, and I think that's what makes the genre so interesting. Um, And it's cool to see like something different ex- being explored and what this game will ultimately be um but overall thank you thank you for having this conversation with me yeah, yeah I, um, it's,
1: I, I, I love talking about my games. <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> and as you sh- as you should so mm. you know and like where where can where can listeners follow this game's updates like it's in early access right now as of this recording yeah, um it's... but you know where can they go and and if there's anything else you would like to share feel free to share
1: yeah, so it is in all access on Steam, on GOG, and on Itch. Uh, you can get the game on all of these. You can also get the soundtrack there. The, there is uh, probably more discussion on the Steam forums, but the heart of our community is on our Discord server, there should be links to the Discords on all the uh, all the different store pages, but I can also send you the link if mm-hmm. you want to put it in an article or so. Mm-hmm. Um, there is recent discussion if it's like focusing everything on Discord is the best idea. Uh, so for more, I don't know, FAQs or um, a more overview, we will at some point do a wiki, it's always a bit tricky thing to do this during early access because you change every update a lot right. of things, and then yeah, you have yeah. to change the wiki. But um, that is something that's on our list for a while. For now, <clears throat> Discord is like our biggest uh, community hub. We have like different channels where you can uh, make suggestions to the game. You can give feedback if you have an idea for. A narrative event, if you want to ha- have an interesting quote in there, um, um, but also like um, if you do want to discuss scenes uh, in the game, um, Discord is probably the best to go. Otherwise, I think we or probably I am most active on Twitter. So like there, <clears throat> there's always like on our Twitter channel a lot of like. Um, uh, instant communication. Uh, otherwise, we have all the things. We have a Facebook, we have a Twitch, we have uh, a YouTube channel, but we don't do so much streaming ourselves. Um, we integrated a new um, a Twitch integration. So actually... Uh, some streamers uh, use that to um, uh, let people vote on the different choices you can do in the game uh, on Twitch, which is kind of an interesting way to play the game. Uh, so you, there are the, you, there are some streamers uh, doing stuff with the game. But I think Discord and Twitter and the Steam forums are the three most things where you can get information and uh, ask questions. Uh, and yeah, that is... Do I have anything else to say? Uh, buy our game.
0: <laughs> buy, the,
1: buy our game. Write a nice, uh, nice review on, on Steam. That always helps like a lot. Um, we uh, there's always question for languages and ports. We will first finish the early access and probably soon I will like give an overview how far we' actually in our early access and how long we think it will take to finish it. But after early access, uh, we will reevaluate if we will make a Mac version, if we will make a switch version if we translate the game into different languages, because we have so much text, it will take right. a lot of work. But that is like the first questions that always come. Uh, you can also find uh, in the Discord and everywhere else a roadmap of what we actually want to still implement in early access. Uh, the game is playable. It has uh, multiple endings. Uh, I would say it's at least five hours of fun, but it's, there's a lot of people who play it over and over again to check the different ways you can play the game. And we hope that um, when the game is finished that you can have a lot of different playthroughs and find always new things, new stories. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for your time, and uh, yeah, I hope uh, uh, I hope this was interesting.
0: <laughs> it, it definitely was. It definitely was.